And now, the Ennis Book Club Festival is set to take place from Friday the 3rd to Sunday the 5th of March. Uh, the event, which attracts readers from Clare, Ireland and further afield, aims to promote and celebrate reading. Many renowned authors will be at the festival, including Ellen Ryan. Ellen will be exploring the remarkable journey she underwent on when researching her award-winning book, Girls Who Slay Monsters. And I'm delighted to say uh, that uh, Ellen joins us now. Good morning to you, Ellen. Good morning, Alan. Thank you to you and your listeners for having me. No, thanks very much for for, for joining us. Uh, So things going very, very well for you uh, at the moment, which we'll get to a little later on. But how did the big journey in terms of uh, writing start out? Well, I think my interest in mythology uh, dates back to... um, my childhood, really. My grandma uh, went back to school um, when she was, she had to leave school when she was 14. Um, But when she, after she was married and had her five children, she went and did her leaving cert. She went to college and she studied the classics. And within that, she started to study Irish mythology um, and learned about the Tawn. And she always said, you know, Irish mythology is very underrated. Um, The Tawn is equal to the Iliad and the Odyssey. And so I had this sort of sense of injustice for our mythology from a young age and then through school I never really learned um about uh Irish gods or Irish mythology as it was more presented in the in the tone um and I found particularly the women um you know uh Neve of the golden hair or you know the greedy queen Maeve they were always presented um as being either sort of um seductresses or uh you know villains um damsels in distress and it wasn't until I visited archaeological sites like Rathcrohan in Roscommon, um, you know, that I start Owen Maka in Armagh, that I started to learn a bit more about the goddesses associated with the land, um, like Maka, uh, like you know, Shanann, obviously, um, you know, part one and the same with the river Shannon, and and realize that our mythology was just completely suppressed. So I think the conviction um to write the, to write these stories down for modern readers came from there. Yeah, and does it, do you feel like there's a kind of a, a, a revival or a renewed interest in Irish mythology over the last few years, Ellen, and that it almost, you know, writing about some of these, you know, characters and names of, of, of yore, that it's it's almost like writing about a new character because people, it's almost, they've, they've gone out of people's consciousness for so many years, uh, but that it's only in recent years it's kind of uh, coming back again. I... Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's definitely shifts happening in Irish culture. I mean, I think there's, you know, my daughter now is in a a Nínra and she'll be going to a Gale school. And I know uh, there's a lot of jokes about um, this being a kind of a a yummy mummy movement. But I think actually it's, you know, a lot of us are, well, let's be honest, moving away maybe from things that we traditionally thought were such a big part of our culture like Catholicism and moving towards other aspects of our culture like our our language, um, like uh, developing a greater relationship and reverence with our land. Um, And yes, better understanding our mythology. And I think we're seeing it in other cultures as well, where people were um, have historically been oppressed or, um, or, you know, there's a, had been colonized. You know, we're seeing it in Native American communities and African American communities where people are really, um, taking more ownership for, um, parts of their culture that were lost. And I, and I think we're seeing that here as well. So Girls Who Slay Monsters kind of really brings the, the country's mythical goddesses back to life. How did you 
set about writing uh, girls who slay monsters and was you know how how difficult was it to come up with the story how long how long did it take i'm always fascinated talking to authors um, because you know it's, it's not like songwriters where they can come up with a song in 5 minutes sometimes it can take a lot longer whereas for authors it can be a process that takes years yeah i have to say like this took me 4 years um because i you know my background is in journalism so i understood how to you know, interview how to research, but there there's so much uh, of mytho- so much mythology that it isn't readily accessible. Um, I'm indebted to uh, initiatives like the UCC Kelp Project, which um, is an online resource that uh, has in- cre- you know compiled so many fantastic translations of these texts. Because you know, in the past the 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 average Irish person like myself didn't have access to these texts. You know, you had to be an academic. Um, a lot of them are in, uh, you know, libraries and museums abroad. Um, so to have those translations now has really changed the game. I used um, that website a lot. Um, I used, you know, websites, there's like a medieval translation uh, website that I didn't even know existed. Um, and, you know, Log Adam. We we have all these sites that I had to sort of discover for myself to to find out what Irish medieval uh, place names are uh, meant, where they are now, how they translate. You know, because a lot of the time I was reading these texts and I'm seeing this, you know, um, on the fort of the you know the battle of two warriors, and I'm thinking, well, where is that? And it took took a lot of work to figure out that actually that's a hill in Limerick, for example. And you know, so it wasn't just finding the the actual stories. It was everything that goes around them, understanding Breton law, which helped me to, I suppose, put context onto, for example, Queen Maeve, um, who wanted that ball and she had to have this one extra thing to her husband. And we, you know, we never really understood why other than greed. But in fact, during her time, she lived under Breton law. In Breton law, if a woman had equal or more wealth to her husband, she had autonomy. And as a queen, that was obviously hugely important. So for me, I was studying every, you know, indigenous botany, <laughs> what people ate at that time, um, and and and, tr- and understanding our landscape and and how the name places have changed, as well as trying to get into the mindsets of these goddesses, um, because a lot of the time they were secondary uh, characters in in a man's story. So it was trying to really understand why they were there, what were their motivations. Um, and, and who were their family or what's the etymology in their name to give me a better understanding of their character and, and, and their journey. So a lot of investigative. Well, it clearly paid off. Really. Yeah. And you know, when you're doing in-depth research into indigenous botany uh, that you are, you're doing the, definitely doing the hard yards in terms of research for a book. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was fascinating though. I mean, there's things that so many of your listeners would know, but that like, I, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a pine martin, um, which I think in Irish is, uh, translates to like a, a tree cat. Um, and it just... I feel like I've learned so much more about my own heritage, my own country. And, and you know, like I'm from Wicklow, um, but I, you know, I went to school in Dublin and I think we can get very sort of Dublin centric sometimes when you, when you, you grow up in around the city and it's been so incredible for me to, I know it sounds strange, but almost feel more Irish, you know, in the process of writing this book. Uh, 
traveling around the country, understanding my culture in Tipperary and Clare and Limerick and, you know, getting a greater sense of and reverence for rivers and mountains that I didn't necessarily grow up with, but that are part of, of our shared culture and heritage. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a privileged experience. It's been an honour really for me to to write this book and tell these stories and get to know uh, the Irish landscape because it's it's just so sacred. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point you make uh, as well, Ellen, about, you know, there seems to be a kind of revival going on with renewed interest in our, you know, these kind of characters from our from our, our past and also, or, you know, maybe perhaps a revival in the Irish language as well. And even recently on the show, we spoke with Lorraine Mulholland, who's written a new book on St. Bridget and other amazing Irish women, uh, which really explores kind of the similar kind of characters you talked about, but focuses entirely on women who you know, wrongfully have been written out of history or be, be they mythical or, or, or otherwise, there does seem to be... Uh, uh, there's something happening there in relation to all of that in this country. Yeah, and it's interesting you you mentioned Lorraine. Um, I love Lorraine. I think Lorraine and I are really singing from the same hymn sheet, as it were, you know. Um, I, I feel like our books are almost you know they're they're sisters in a way because we're we're trying to do the same thing because i think you know she's focused on on saints and you know there is much a part of our our, our culture as well um but there are these, these strong women these powerful women who were also vulnerable who were also flawed who were also angry and um who who also came up against a lot of hardship and i think you know we get this really sanitized version of saint bridget for example in school and actually you know i think um lorraine has worked hard to to bring these um saints to life in a way where they do feel more um relatable as well for us and and that's what i've you know stri- uh, strive to do with uh, the goddesses also is show how connected we are to these um ancient characters um and, and and to create that sense of uh, empowerment because their stories are still incredibly relevant today um and i think you know i'm working on on the the sequel now with the male gods as well i think you know their stories are incredibly important as well i think there's actually some really rich examples of many different types of male heroism um you know amongst our male gods that we we're not seeing for example in greek mythology oftentimes or in in norse mythology like when we see examples of thor and loki i think we have a much more layered uh you know much more modern day examples of of male heroism in yeah. our ancient uh, gods. Incredible stories, you know, like Nuadu, who uh, you know had, um, you know, was a king with, you know, and he was a disabled king, and he was the the strongest and greatest king they had. Um, you know, amazing examples of um, uh, boys being bullied and overcoming that experience um boys who try, who wanted to reject the idea of being warriors to become um writers or musicians instead and these were ancient stories of god so i i think they're incredibly empowering incredibly relatable for us today and and i and i love that this resurgence is happening
Well, the four hard, long, hard years you put into uh, Girls Who Slay Monsters has paid off. Uh, you, you won Children's Book of the Year uh, at the On Post Irish Book Awards. You've also been nominated for a KPMG Children's uh, Books Ireland Award. Is it all very flattering or do you think it's damn right I've put enough hard work into all of this it should be winning awards? Oh, no, it's it's definitely very flattering and very humbling, to be honest, because when you see, you know, the calibre of other um, writers and authors, uh, you know, who who are also nominated, um, I mean, to, to have won uh, Children's Book of the Year and, and then been nominated for Overall Book of the Year, like I, I didn't I didn't see that coming. Um, I think for me, this has been such an immersive journey that it's funny, like, I think when I used to imagine writing a book, I always thought like I would think about, you know, oh, imagine if you got a a Netflix deal or, you know, this kind of thing. But when I when I wrote this book, it didn't feel like that for me. It felt more it felt deeper. Like I felt like I was, you know, really developing a relationship um, with these mythical goddesses with uh, my own country, with my own heritage. And so actually um, those kind of ambitions didn't really, um, maybe that's the, maybe that's the magic. I don't know is that you find a, you know, for, for anyone who's, who's thinking about doing it, that you work on something that you're so passionate about and that you believe in um, so intensely that it doesn't really matter if it's yeah. a success. Um, my mom used to joke that, uh, you know, if, if publishers didn't want it, we, we'd print it off and we'd, um, we just handed out like pamphlets in the village, in our local village, you know. And I think, yeah. So for me, I, I never, I never really expected this, um, but I did feel it was important. I will say yeah. that I knew what I, I felt that what I was doing was important and necessary. Um, a book like this, an anthology of Irish goddesses, um, showing their stories, um, their medieval stories, and going back to those earlier stories. It, it hadn't been done, and. I took issue with that, you know, I had a strong conviction that it should be there and the stories should be available to, for example, to teachers in school if they wanted to teach those stories and not just these couple of sanitized stories we hear about Kukulin, for example. And a lot of teachers have reached out to me and said, this book is such a, a great resource for them because I also share some of the, um, you know, the web, I share the websites that I use and, and so allowing them to to go and find these earlier texts if they want to do so as well. And I think that was missing. OK, just before I let you go, Ellen, you are going to be appearing at the Ennis Book Club Festival. You'll be giving a talk. Uh, can you give us a, a sense of what you'll be chatting about? Yes, absolutely. So on the 3rd of March, I will be in conversation with uh, the wonderful children's author, Sarah Moore Fitzgerald, um, who wrote uh, The Shark and the Scar. Um, and she will be uh, chatting to me uh, similarly about uh, about my process and, and the journey I've been on. Um, and that will take place in Glore at, at 12. Um, and then on the 4th of March, I'm going to be doing um, a myth, a, a writing uh for in mythology workshop um, and that is focused on young adults um, and that will take place in the Clare Museum at 11am and I'm really looking forward to doing that um, and and kind of uh, talking about my own process but also hopefully uh, helping other young budding writers to tease out the projects that they're working on and give them in, some insights into how they can um, do their research and go through that process for themselves. 
Well, we've no doubt you will uh, thoroughly enjoy yourself at the Ennis Book Club Festival. It's always a great occasion and uh, continued success uh, to you. Good to hear uh, book number two. Uh, we're very much already underway for that. Uh, Ellen Ryan, uh, the author of Girls Who Slay Monsters. Thank you so much for joining us on Morning Focus. Thank you so much, Alan, and thanks again to your listeners. I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care, uh, Ellen Ryan.